In Genesis chapter 39, we read about a young man named Joseph. Would you turn there and look at this with me? Genesis 39. Now, Joseph's story doesn't start in chapter 39. His story starts in chapter 37. And most of you are familiar enough with it to remember Joseph was a, uh, where it picks up with his life. He's 17 years old. And this boy's a dreamer, literally a dreamer. Hey, bros, I had a dream. What was it? All y'all bowed down to me. What do you suppose that means? Hey, dad, I had a dream. What was it? You and mom were bowing down to me. He's a dreamer. And for obvious reasons, his brothers didn't like it. And one day, uh, Joseph's father sent him out to find his brothers. They were tending sheep. And Joseph, there's a lot of interesting, funny details about it. But a guy just finds him wandering in a field. And is like, what are you looking for? He said, my brothers. He said, well, they gone to Dothan. So he starts going towards them. And the Bible says that Joseph's brothers saw him afar off coming towards them. And they all started plotting how to kill him. <laughs> Remember I told you favor with God and men doesn't mean everybody likes you? Yep. What two groups did I tell you you might have trouble with? Pharisees and family. Joseph could say amen to that. He had some family trouble. And I don't care what kind of family trouble you're having. I don't think they're sitting around trying to figure out a way to kill you. How to off you. Maybe. But I don't think, for most of us, that's probably not our issue. His brothers immediately went to work. How can we kill him? I want him dead. I want him gone. But he had one good brother. His name was Reuben. And the good brother said, no, we're not going to kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. <laughs> Folks, when that's the good brother, you are in serious trouble. But that's what they did. They, they got him, they threw him into the pit. And these dudes are cold-blooded. The Bible even says that they threw him into the pit where there was no water. And then they had a meal. Cold-blooded brothers, are you kidding me? And then, you know the story, these this band of Ishmaelites comes and they said, we got an idea. Instead of killing him, let's sell him. And they did. They sold him into slavery. And he was purchased. But then you get to chapter 39. Here's Joseph, somebody's property, purchased like you would purchase cattle, an animal. And it says in chapter 39, verse 1, that Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Verse 2, notice this, the Lord was with Joseph. That's grace. That is the essence of grace. The presence of God with you. You could isolate and pinpoint everything that grace is. Grace is his strength. Grace is his favor. Grace is his help. Grace is his anointing. All of those things are true, but it can be summed up like this. It's him. It's him being with you. It's him being on you. And for us, it's him being in us. Amen. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Now his master's an Egyptian. 
His master is a sun worshiper, a moon worshiper, a rock and river worshiper. This is not somebody seeking God. This is not somebody reading the word. They're not having Bible studies about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, this guy, he follows pagan gods, and yet he can see something on him. He sees something on him, and he sees that the Lord was with him, that he made all, everything he set his hand to do prosper. And so verse 4, you see it. Joseph found favor in his sight, and he did what? Served him. Then he made him overseer. You know what that is? Manager. Steward. Now we read the, the account of Joseph and things that happened in a few verses, we tend to think they happened over a course of a couple of days. No, Joseph was 17 when he got sold into slavery. He was 30 when he stood before Pharaoh. These things happened over a lot of years. So what Potiphar, his master, is seeing is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Joseph didn't get purchased as a slave in day one. Potiphar sees the Lord is with thee. No, he's out in the field. He's just another purchased possession. And yet this guy, because the grace that was on him, begins, check this out, you ready? Prospering in a place he has no business prospering in. He begins to thrive in a place you're not supposed to thrive. And his master notices it. And the more he's faithful, the more gets turned over to him. The more his master puts in his hand. And all of a sudden, this guy who, I don't know, weeks or months or years ago, was just a slave purchased off the slave block, is now in the house, running the house. Being made a, ma a manager over these things. Verse 4 again, Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer or steward or manager of his house and all that he had that, Joseph, or that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. So does Joseph now own all this stuff? No, it's still Potiphar's. Joseph is just a faithful manager. See, a faithful person recognizes something's been put in my hand. I'm being trusted with something. Now, pride, when pride gets in, it says, this is mine. I, I'm a possessor of this. Look what I have. Look what I can do. But a humble person says, no, this is grace. I'm nothing but a manager. Whatever I have, grace gave it to me. Whatever I can do, grace enabled me to do it. And a faithful person will treat that gift as that, a gift. And as a manager, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Now, you know the rest of this story. Joseph, he's a good looking young guy. And Potiphar's wife, uh, <laughs> she, she shows up. She says she cast longing eyes on him and said, lie with me. Subtle, huh? Great pickup line, lady. Lie with me. But look at what he said. He refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master doesn't know what's with me in the house. He's, he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. 
because you're his wife. A faithful person knows what's been put in their hand. A faithful person knows what they've been given. And a faithful person knows what they haven't been given. Hmm? What did he say? He's not kept anything back but you because you're his. You're his, not mine. He said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day, he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But verse 11, it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. She caught him by his garment. You know the rest of the story. Lie with me. He turned around and he ran. And when Potiphar got home, his lying wife said, you brought this Hebrew in to mock us. He tried to take advantage of me and he believed his lying wife and he threw Joseph into prison. Let me ask you a question. Why did Joseph go to prison? You might say, well, because she lied. Wrong. Because none of the men were in the house. There were no men in the house. Had there been somebody else in the house, there could be somebody that would corroborate the truth, but there were no men in the house. Bad things were going on in churches because there's no men in the house. Part of our commitment to faithfulness is knowing what's been given to us and what has not. This right here will keep us, you, me, all of us, those who serve, our staff, those who attend, our, our, our ministry teams. This will keep us totally free from every kind of scandal, from, from any kind of inappropriate behavior or from hurting anybody, anybody's spouse, anybody's child, if we'll know what we've been given and what we have not been given. A faithful person knows what's been put in their hand and what's not been put in their hand. Sarah Christine Hart has been given to me. Your wife has not. Nor has my wife been given to you. Am I being too heavy? Am I being... Can I tell you what Joseph had on his mind when he ran out of that place? This is not the right place at the right time. Doing something with her is not the right thing. She is not the right people. You know, when we stand up here and say that week after week after week, we make that confession, we will always be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. You want to know what we're saying? We'll be faithful. I'll be faithful. It is impossible to be unfaithful to your family if you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right people there's so much more I want to say about this today Lord help me we're talking about faithfulness that's how you affair proof your marriage how, how can I keep from it it's easy go home Huh? And you know what? That's what a faithful person is. 
There's a lot of things we could talk about with faithfulness, but I want to center in on this one thing. A faithful person will be there. Well, where is there? Wherever they're supposed to be. That's where they'll be. And faithful just simply means trustworthy, means you can count on them, means you can depend on them. Can you be a faithful husband if you're not there? No. Can you be a faithful wife if you're not there? No. Can you be a faithful father or a faithful mother when you're not there, when they need you there? No, you can't be. Being faithful begins with being there. Somebody say, be there. And this is what we talked about as a staff. And this is why I say we, we, are, we are tapping on the heart and the culture of this church. And this is what we went over and 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 over as a team. And we still go over it to this day that what we require is one thing, faithfulness, faithfulness. Anybody we've added to our team since those days, Sarah, as, as uh, the lead over our staff, sits down with them and says, here's what we're asking. Here is the only thing we're asking of you. Be faithful to Jesus. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful to us. Amen. And when it comes to the job, man, people can make mistakes. People can miss it. People can make big mistakes. But as long as they're faithful, faithful unfaithfulness as far as we're concerned is one of the only things that gets between us be faithful and we told them for weeks in a row here's what it means to be faithful be there be where you're needed when you're needed that's what it means to be there be where you're needed and when you're needed which also means there's some places and some times you're not needed so what? Don't be there. In addition to being there, you know what else that means? We talked to our staff about this. We need you there. We need you there. But there's a big difference in just being there and being there in good shape. I don't need you there if you're dragging in with a bad attitude, grumpy, well, I'm here. You said you wanted me here. I'm here. What? Oh. Are we done yet? No, it's, it's, it's being there, but then it's another step. Faithfulness has to do with not just being present, but the condition in which you're present. And one of the things we made clear to them that this is what we expect because we believe this is what the Lord expects from us, faithfulness. That what faithfulness means is you are there and you are there awake, alert, Aware, happy, healthy, and strong. Amen. Am I right, Steph? Am I saying the right thing? So we told them this is what it means to be faithful. You show up, but you show up awake. You show up alert and aware. You show up happy, healthy, and strong, ready to do, ready to go, ready to work. That's faithfulness. Awake, alert, aware, happy, healthy, and strong. Amen. You can see this favor on Joseph's life, and you can see that it doesn't show up unless you're a faithful person. And even when he got lied about and got put into prison, it says in verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You are not supposed to prosper 
in prison. And yet he is. Why? Grace. Favor. And he's faithful in that place. You could read the rest of Joseph's life and you'd see it over and over and over again. To go from prison to standing before Pharaoh. The grace to interpret a dream. Instant promotion. Promoted to the number two man in all the nation. Not number one. Number two. Which makes him not an owner. A manager. A steward. Somebody that's been given something. Musicians, you guys come. Jesus talked about this. In Matthew chapter 25, don't take time to turn there, but in verse 14, he told a parable. We call it the parable of the talents. And he talked about a master who called his servants, his stewards together. And the Bible says he gave to them his goods. Whose goods were they? His, not theirs, his. And he said to one, he gave five talents, to another, he gave two, and to another, he gave one. Now, you're going to have to go to work right then and there to kind of undo some thinking about that because you hear that, I hear that, and we think, well, this guy got five gold coins, this guy got two gold coins, and this guy got one. Now, he didn't say anything about coins. He said talents. And do a little study on it, and a talent is about a 75-pound chunk of either gold or silver or precious metal. It doesn't say in Scripture what metal or, or, or what material it was. He just said talent. And I did a little uh, computation on it this weekend. Five talents of gold is roughly 10 million in today's dollars. So that makes two talents, you know, a little less than half of that. I think it's about 4.4. One talent, about 2.2 million. It just goes to work on you a little bit. That even if you only got one, it's still a chunk. It's still a chunk. And it's something to be thankful for. But here's what Jesus said. He gave to each according to his ability. His ability. Now, I've been preaching on this parable for a long time, but I saw it this weekend in a way I never had before. He gave to each according to his what? That's grace. Do you know why you have any ability whatsoever and where it came from? Grace. Grace is ability. Now, here's the good news. Ability can grow. Ability can grow. You might be really good at something right now. Let me ask you, were you always that good at it or did you grow into it? You grew into it. You grew into that ability. And that word ability is the same word translated strength. When Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. But then the Bible says he turned around and went on a long journey. And the one who received five talents, he went and traded and he gained five more. You want to know what that is? Grace. Grace. Don't be caught thinking, man, I'm good at this. Man, I'm amazed. I just got a knack for it. How'd you do that? How'd you double that investment? I just got a knack for it. I just see it. I just hear it. No, I can sniff it out. No. If you're smart, what will you say? It's grace. It's grace. Grace gave me the ability. Grace empowered me to do with the ability what he wanted me to do. And and the same guy that got two, he went and traded, got two more also. And the guy with one, who remembers what he did? He went and he dug and he buried it. Then Jesus said, after a long journey, after a long time, the master came back. You want to know what that is? Grace. 
It's opportunity. Notice his masters didn't, the master didn't put five talents in his hands and then come back the next day and say, where's my 10? No, it was after a long time. Grace gives ability and grace gives opportunity. And a faithful person will act on ability. A faithful person will act on opportunity. And I know that because when this master came back and he called his servants in and the one who he'd given five, he came back and said, Lord, you gave me five. I went and traded. Here's five more besides. And his master said, well done. Well done. Man, does anybody want to hear that? Does anybody want to stand at the throne of God on eternity day one and hear these words? Well done. Well done. What did he say? Good and Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. A faithful man will abound with blessing. So he got ability. He got opportunity. And he was faithful with both of them. And as a result, he increased and then was promoted by his master. Because he acted on ability and he acted on opportunity. Yeah. Now here comes the guy with two. You gave me two, I got two more. And his master said what? Well, that's good, but not as good. No, he said the same thing. He said, well done. I mean, come on, who wants to work for this guy, right? Well done, celebrate you. You have been faithful, good and faithful. I'm gonna make you ruler over much. Promotion, increase. A faithful man will abound with blessing. Go ahead, guys. And then the last guy came in, and this is what he said. Master, I knew you were a hard and harsh man. Now just think about what you know about this master. Does he sound hard and harsh to you? Well done, good and faithful? No. I knew you were a hard man, a harsh man. So I went and buried what you gave me. Here, you have what's yours. Now, everybody got called two things, good and faithful, good and faithful, but not this guy. His master looked at him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. Lazy. Why? Because his master saw in him the ability to handle that talent. He saw it in him. He would not have given it to him if he didn't have it. He saw in him the ability but he didn't act on the ability and he didn't take advantage of the opportunity. How long does it take to bury something in the ground? Not long. Requires nothing of you. Requires no effort, requires no energy, requires no thought. He said, I was afraid. So I went and buried it. Fear will make you do stupid, unfaithful stuff. And his master said, why didn't you put it in the bank? And this guy, don't you know he was just like, the bank. Why didn't I think of the bank? Fear is why. But his master said, take from him, give it to the one who has 10. Long story short, you're fired. Unfaithful. He had the ability, didn't do anything with it. Had the opportunity didn't do anything with it. And because of unfaithfulness, 
he lost his place. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.